today, Lord. So as best I can, we're going to continue We're going to continue on the road that we've started with Elijah and Elisha. Today's the final stop. It's Jordan. We're going to Jordan. We've been to Gilgal. We've been to Bethel. We've been to Jericho. And today we're crossing the Jordan. I'm just going to give you a real brief recap. At Gilgal, Gilgal is where we left the wilderness. Gilgal is where we made a memorial unto the Lord to remember his faithfulness at all times in our lives, to remember the goodness that he has toward us and all the good that God has done in our lives. We became rooted, we became grounded in, in his faithfulness and understanding his faithfulness toward us. We circumcised our hearts there. This is a journey, beloved. We circumcised our hearts, we purify our hearts. We separate ourselves unto God. Can you just imagine just that one thing? If we all just live separated unto God in our intentions and in our hearts at all times, can you imagine the heartache that we wouldn't go through? Can you imagine just the goodness that we couldn't even contain because our hearts and our intentions are separated unto God? That doesn't mean we're monks. That doesn't mean we don't go out and do his good works because he's given us the light to share the light. But solely devoted, hearts unto him, I know this is a really, probably really unpopular statement, but we wouldn't have trouble if we did that. You can choose not to believe that if you want, but it's the truth. We'd be living in a whole different atmosphere. Gilgal, that's where we realize that he's rolled the reproach away. New Testament, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's the New Testament version of that. Rolling the reproach away. So we understand that. We receive that. We live in that. We don't have to walk in guilt and shame. Then we went to Bethel. That was the house of God. That is the house of God. That is the fellowship of believers. It's important to come in fellowship with other believers, to be lifted up and edified and built up. 
and surrounded by the presence of God. The house of God, yes, the presence of God, the, the presence of God. We walk in the presence of God. We've prayed. We've prayed. We've sought his presence. Thank you, Lord, that we realize that we, that we live under an open heaven. The heavens are not brass unto us. What kind of a gift is that? I'm, o- I'm overwhelmed this morning. Excuse me. I am overwhelmed with thankfulness. I am overwhelmed with thankfulness. We don't walk in enough thankfulness. You need to get your eyes off everything that you think is wrong in your life. Forget about it and be thankful. Be thankful for the gifts he's given you. Be thankful for the people around you. Be thankful for your church. Be thankful for Jesus. Be thankful that he desires to be in your midst. We live under an open heaven. We don't listen to negative reports, Bethel. We don't listen to the negative reports, the doomsday prophets. We are after the heart of our Father. Then we went to Jericho. Jericho. We've seen the vision of God. We see the vision of God and we agree. Thank you. We, we agree. We agree with the vision of God. We've engaged in spiritual warfare. He's given us everything we need. Everything we need to stand. We stand fast on his promises, his good and great and beautiful and wonderful promises toward us. This is where we walk in obedience to the word. We find the vision, we find the promise, we stand on the promise, we say no to the devil. We don't agree with the lying lips speaking in our ears. We don't agree with that. We agree with God. We agree with the promise. We agree with the word. We're not moved by appearances. I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm only moved by the word of God. One thing moves me, the word of God. We don't give way in our spirits to those things that tell us that we are not going to receive the abundant life, the abundant mighty reign, the double portion. Remember this journey. What was, what was Elisha after? Why was he hanging so tight to Elijah? He was after something. Are you after something? He was after the double. And he wasn't going to be denied. So we don't listen to the things that say you're not going to receive the devil. Because that's not truth.
And when we've done all that, we've, we've walked this. Now, this is not works, okay? Please. I don't even want to hear it. I don't, I don't even want to hear anyone say that I'm preaching works. This is all spiritual reality. This is all spirit living. This is not works. This is being in touch with the heart of God. But we pay a price. There's a price to be paid. And our hearts are willing. Our hearts jump for joy. (laughs) Because of what the promise is. And no cost is too great. No cost is too great. So consequently, we come to the Jordan. All this so far that we've gone through brings us to the Jordan. So what is the Jordan? So I was studying, and these are the things that I believe the Jordan represents. It is the Holy Spirit awakening. It is the Holy Spirit awakening. It is separation from wilderness life. It is receiving new creation life. It is walking in the awareness of the righteousness that we are in Christ. The righteousness of God in Christ that's been given to us when we make Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. It's an awareness of what that means and walking in it. It's taking authority unto resurrection life. It's embracing the kingdom of God reality here. The kingdom of God reality in this life. It's cleansing. It's healing. It's receiving new mantles from God. It's receiving new mantles. Let your heart be open to the new mantles that God has for you. It's the double portion, it's the mighty rain, it's abundant life. It can't be denied us. It can't be denied us on this journey. So I'm going to go into each one of those. I'm going to start with the Holy Spirit awakening, and I'm going to go to Matthew 3 for that. Verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan... to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him. You know, there is always some sort of something trying to deter you. Don't feel sorry for yourself. Don't think you have it worse than anybody else. Don't think that you're a victim of anything. That word shouldn't even be in your vocabulary. That's a poor me attitude, and it has no place in victorious living. You're not a victim of anything other than your own thoughts and your own choices. Anyway, sorry about that. I hadn't planned to say that, but it's really the truth. So, (laughs) Because Jesus didn't make any of us a victim. 
Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. See, sometimes even things that appear good are trying to deter us. And we have to use our spirits to look at that. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. You see, we have to embrace the righteousness that God has given us. He did something to fulfill that righteousness. We have to embrace the same thing. You see, you see how deep that goes? He did it. We have to embrace it. If you don't get anything else today, just get that. Get what that would mean in our lives. We embrace the righteousness of Christ and we will be drenched in his holy rain. Just think about that. Get off your phones, people. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened. If you have received Jesus Christ into your life, he has opened the heaven. Now it is totally your choice whether you're going to receive that gift. Totally up to you. You can walk away from it or you can receive it. But don't complain. If you don't receive it. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water at that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. That is a Holy Spirit in filling. And every believer receives it the moment they are born again. Everything you'll ever need to live a victorious, overcoming double portion, abundant, mighty, rain life. God is not withholding anything from you. And when we understand that, all heaven comes to earth in our lives. And a voice from heaven said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. You see, so here we have it. We have life in the Spirit of God. We have life in the Spirit of God. We have life in the Spirit of God. Wow. Wow. Abundance. We have life in the anointing. You know, Jesus means the anointing, the anointed. Well, when you receive him, you receive that, the anointing. Life touched by the hand of God. So baptism, see, the old life is gone. 
The old is gone. The new has come. See, I do a new thing. New creation life for us. Walking in union with God. Living to please God. Right? Living within God's pleasure. Living within God's goodness. Impartation comes here. I'm going to get to that later. But this is where impartation comes. Okay, I said it was separation from the wilderness. See, this is where we occupy. We've done the warfare. This is where we occupy. The Jordan. Joshua 3, verse 14. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priest who carried the Ark reached the Jordan, reached the Jordan, and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away. Do you know you are safe from the floods of life? You are safe. You are protected from the floods of life. At a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan, while the water flowed down to the, flowing down to the sea of the Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off, so the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. That's not too tough, is it? We just get to walk across on dry ground because we've per- put Jesus first in our lives. We've crossed over. We are separated from wilderness living. We are occupying the land, the land of promise. This is a land of healing, cleansing. I'm going to go to a story involving the Jordan, and this was Naaman. Naaman was leprous. He had leprosy, and he went to the king of Israel, and he wanted to be healed, and it made the king of Israel mad, and so he was sent to Elisha. And so that's where we're going to pick this up. 2 Kings 5, verse 8. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man Naaman come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. Do you see the promises? Do you see the promises? But Naaman went away angry. Can you even imagine someone saying to you, do this, and you're going to be totally cleansed and restored, and you get angry? 
Well, let me tell you, people do that all the time. People do it all the time. God has this gift. He wants them to do a certain thing, and they don't want to do it that way, and they get mad. They have a gift. They don't want to use that gift. They want some other gift. And they get mad. When if they would just walk in that gift and do that thing and obey the Lord, they'd be totally healed, cleansed, perfectly happy, wonderful. No joke. This is true. But Naaman went away angry. I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot, and cure me of my leprosy. We always want it done our way. No, nobody here. Nobody at RCC. <laughs> but people. They always want it their way. Done their way. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Do you know that disobedience to God, if you don't deal with it, if you don't, and he always gives us the opportunity to deal with it, but it will create rage. Bitterness, anger. We do it his way, we don't have any of that. So if if you're angry, if you have rage, a rebellious spirit, think about where it is that you're blocking God's thoughts in your life, God's direction. Where your heart is not circumcised. Because when we agree with him, his best comes out in our lives. And, and, and when his best comes out, there's no, there's no way that we, we could be any happier. There would be no greater joy in our lives. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? Wash and be cleansed. So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan, obedience, seven times, as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Hallelujah. We submit to God. We submit to God. Cleansing, healing. See, we want the double portion. We want the mighty rain the mighty abundance, do we want the cleansing? Do we want to go through the cleansing? Cleansing has to come. We have to purify our hearts. We have to, you know, because darkness and light can't dwell together, can they? But his light always dispels the darkness. That's the promise. His light always, and he's always counseling us with a loving ear. He's always giving us good direction. See, Elisha had a true servant's heart. He lived to serve and please Elijah. He was connected to Elijah. He wasn't going to leave. He was going to stick with him. He was going to stay with him. And what's Elijah? Elijah is a type of Jesus. And nobody likes this word servant anymore. Our place of service unto Jesus is our greatest blessing. 
That's where the greatest blessing is going to come. Yes, God is our Father. I understand that. Yes, he's our friend. But think about it. Think about in your life when you're happiest. As a friend, I want to serve my friend. As a mom, I want to serve my kids. As a pastor, I want to serve my church. There is no greater blessing than a life of service. Do all things as unto the Lord. It's when we get ourselves involved that we have the greatest problems. We live in such a me-me generation, an egocentric generation. And falling at the feet of Jesus is going to be the most pleasant place you could ever have in your life. The devil just likes to keep people deceived. See, Elisha lived a, a heart of service with a heart of service to the prophet. We live with a heart of service under Christ. We want to be his vessels. We want to be channels of him. We want to be the image of him. We have to realize that we are his vessels. That's what we're here for. We are his messengers. We don't want that to be contaminated, do we? He's holy. We want to be holy. He's pure. We want to be pure. Now, I'm not talking about perfection. He doesn't expect perfection. He expects just a heart, a heart devoted unto him, a heart willing, a heart yielded unto him. Not perfection. That's not what we're talking. Remember, we talked before about we are perfected in Christ. He sees us as perfect through the blood, but he just wants our hearts to be unto him. Does that make sense? <clears throat> so we allow him to cleanse us. We allow him to make us aware of the places that need tweaking. Not, we don't get in self-condemnation. We don't get in guilt. We don't get in shame. We don't say, I never can do it right. We don't do any of that. We say, through him, I can do all things. See? Do you see the difference? Big difference. The devil wants to condemn you. Jesus wants you to see the opportunity. Jesus wants you to see the promise. You know? Jesus wants you to see the goodness, not the self-condemnation, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world, that he is for me and not against me. Big difference. Depends on, on you know, how you're looking at it. So we seek God's heart. We allow him to transform us into this new creation life, right? We allow him to transform. We allow him to purify our hearts. And then he takes us from glory to glory. He makes us ministers. You know, you're a minister. You are a minister of his flow. You are a minister of his glory. That's who you are. That's your identity in Christ. You are a minister of his glory. You are a minister of his anointing. That's who you are. That's your new identity in Christ. He comes to dispel the darkness, and we need to let him do that so that his light shines through us. 
So, the Jordan, waters of healing, waters of cleansing. This can be physical healing, this can be emotional healing, can be mental healing from oppression or depression, anything, whatever it is. What is the need? Elijah said to him, what can I do for you? Do you know that's God's heart toward you? What can I do for you? What are you going to ask me for? What are you going to expect? What can I do for you? He's not withholding anything. So we've drawn nigh unto God. We walk in the spirit of God. Darkness is dispelled. So I mentioned, I mentioned earlier that this is where impartation comes. The Holy Spirit descended on Jesus at the Jordan. Okay? So we receive, throughout our lives, we receive mantles from God. Don't get stuck in one. He doesn't just have one for you. But throughout our lives, we go through and, and, and we walk with him and talk with him. We live and move and have our being in him. And he, he is so good and so kind and so gracious. And he drapes us in these mantles of his good pleasure, of his perfect plan. Wow. How many different things in your life have you really felt that God called you, specifically called you to do? You see? He calls us. Are we going to answer the call? Are we going to answer the call? That's where we're going to be the happiest. 2 Kings 2, verse 6. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, as, this is Elisha, As surely as the Lord lives, and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. So they're walking to the Jordan. Fifty men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, struck the water with it, the water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? That's God's heart. What do you want? What do you want? Come on, that's a real question. What do you want? Make it important. What, do you, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing. Elijah said, yet, if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. If you see me, where do we need to keep our solitary focus? 
Elijah was a type of Jesus. Where do we need to keep our focus? If you see me, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. So, you see, Elijah was asking here to be, Elisha was asking here to be Elijah's spiritual son, an heir to what Elijah had. You know what? There are mantles in this world. You know, old, older people, your time is never up. It's never up. You have a mantle and an anointing that, you, that God has worked with you your whole life, and it is your responsibility to impart it to others. There is never a time where you can retire. There is a never a time where you are permitted to get tired. There is never a time where it is time to rest and take it easy and coast. That's quitter's mentality. Jesus did not retire, I don't think. I don't think he's retired. You have a responsibility to pass on your gift, your wisdom, your knowledge, and quit saying you're not good enough or your time is over or you're too old or nobody wants to listen. It's your job to make it interesting enough to someone to listen to. God didn't work all this stuff in you all your life. for you not to pass it on. So anyway, see, Elijah didn't have kids. Elisha was going to be his spiritual heir. We are co-heirs with Jesus, aren't we? We are co-heirs to every spiritual blessing in Christ. Every blessing that's in Christ. We are co-heirs. See, Elijah, Elisha wasn't just after something superficial. He wanted the spiritual anointing. I want the spiritual anointing. And who did Jesus send? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. That's what we crave. Whether you believe it or not, that's what we crave. That's what our hearts are after, is the Holy Spirit anointing. Holy Spirit impartation. Holy Spirit life, resurrection life, new creation life, everything that Jesus died to give us, that we would walk in it here on this earth, not just, this is just not something, you know, for eternity. Yes, it is for eternity. <laughs> Thank you, Father. I have a grand and glorious eternity ahead of me. But I want to be grand and glorious in your sight here for people. Right? I want resurrected life here to bless people. So, you know, Elijah said, you've, you've asked a hard thing, but we just step back and we look at our relationship with Christ. We embrace, we embrace what he did. And so what's the hard thing? It's sometimes recognizing the gift. Renewing our minds to what has been gifted us, 
embracing it, walking in it, employing it, applying it, not being lazy. And it requires growth in the word. See, we get, we get a Holy Spirit indwelling the minute we're born again. But then we have to renew our minds to all that that really means through the word. Get God's plan. Grow in the knowledge of God and in his word. Grow in the truth. Dispel all the darkness that prior to our being born again was fed into our lives. We take crop failure on that. And we receive the harvest that he planted in our spirits that are newly created. So we receive the indwelling and then we grow in it. We walk in the gift. Jesus said in Luke 12, 48, from, ev- from everyone who has been given much, have you been given much? From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. Much will be demanded. Expect it. Expect much to be demanded of you. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. You've been entrusted with a Holy Spirit anointing. Much more is going to be asked of you. You need to be the flow. Jesus said that we would do greater works because he was sending the Holy Spirit. Right? So we, we desire the glory. We desire the impartation. But are we willing to pay the price? No cost is too great. The price is not really a price even. We use that lingo. We use that so that we can, you know, sort of understand what we're talking about. But here's the deal. The price that we pay only brings us into the presence of God. What better thing could we have in our life? That's not even a price. You know what I'm saying? We say it's a life of service. We say, you know, that we have to sacrifice certain things, but it's not even a sacrifice. Because beyond those few little steps, he has this beautiful greatness, grand, glorious goodness for us. And then we look back and we say, that was no price. You understand what I'm saying? Wow. We look back and we're like, huh, before I went through that, I thought that was going to hurt. And now I'm on the other side. And I get the glory. (laughs) Oh. See, Jesus led a life of sacrifice. He allowed himself to be crucified. Have you allowed yourself to be crucified? Maybe not physically, but we need to emotionally, spiritually, you know, otherwise. (laughs) So anyway, Elisha was solely devoted to Elisha was solely devoted to Elijah. We must be solely devoted to Jesus. Keep our eyes on Jesus. Stay on Jesus. I want to be the image of him. You want to be the image of him. I know you do. I know that. 
We must be willing to stand. We must be willing to be persecuted. We must be willing to go through trials. Because he turns it all into goodness and gladness anyway. You understand? We, we go through temptations. We say no to the temptation that's going to pull us away from him. That's just the flesh talking anyway. The fr- flesh is corruptible. The flesh is going to be gone. What do you want to sow to? We want to sow to the Spirit. 2 Corinthians 11. Are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. So he's saying, I'm even a greater servant of Christ. I've gone through more. So don't ever think, in other words, that being a servant of Christ is a difficult thing. The minute you start thinking this is too difficult, say, no, I can do this through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three, Are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from the Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at the sea, and in danger from false brothers. Excuse me. You got someone who's been a false brother to you? You don't have any right to get offended. I have labored and toiled and have gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak? And I do not feel weak. See that? Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led to sin and I do not inwardly burn? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. We will not count the cost. We will not revel in our weakness. We will not have a self-pity party. We are going to turn to the strength of the Lord in every situation. We know that our life depends on God. In all things, at all times. And he never fails. Never fails. He is faithful forever. Beloved, beloved, like it or not, if we want the double portion, if we want the mighty reign, this is what it takes. And it takes going through it cheerfully. Cheerfully. As unto the Lord. Understanding his faithfulness and his goodness unto us. 
2 Kings 2, verse 11. We're going back to Elijah and Elisha here. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them, and Elisha went up to heaven in a whirlwind. In a whirlwind. Not in the chariots, in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. That was his current garment. Elisha, the old is gone, the new is come. Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah? I'm going to get to that in a moment, that statement. He asked, when he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. You have crossed over. You have crossed over. He crossed over. He occupied the new land. You must occupy your land. It's up to you. The company of the prophets from Jericho who were watching said, the spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. And they went to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. You see, he crossed over and he received the anointing. No price too great. We cross over. We walk in the presence. We seek the presence of God. We cross over. We pray. We praise. We circumcise our hearts. We purify. We allow the potter's hand to mold us. We cross over. We occupy the land. We receive the anointing. He's not withholding. When, when Elijah departed, like, you know, Elisha received the spirit, the same anointing, well, double portion, actually, but it's the same as when Jesus left, right? He sent us the Holy Spirit, right? Okay. I said I was going to tell you about something in a minute, didn't I? Should have done it just then. Yeah, you're right. I just love it when I have good listeners. Thank you. That is awesome. <laughs> Remind me again. I think I'm going to... Okay, so Elijah, he picked up the mantle. He picked up the mantle. He picked up the cloak. Remember, what had Elijah done? Elijah had stood against the prophets of Baal. He had stood against the most terrible king, King Ahab. Remember Jezebel, right? Remember Ahab. See, Elijah never backed down. Remember when Ahab came to him and he said, you troubler of Israel? And Elijah got right back in his face. He says, I'm not the troubler here. You are the troubler here. You are the one who is not following God's commands. You are the one that is practicing idolatry. 
And you see, this, this term here, chariots of fire and horses of fire, chariots and horsemen of Israel, see, that's what the prophets, that, that signifies the strength of the prophets. That's what that is showing. Their power, their strength, their dependence. See, that's how we are to Jesus. That's who Jesus is to us, right? Our strength, our strength. So anyway, when he said, thank you, Maddie, where is the God of Elijah? He's not saying there, oh, I'm all by myself. What's happening here? Where is God? We're tempted to do that when we go through trials, aren't we? That's not what he's saying here. He's saying, where is the God of Elijah? He's saying, I will recognize my dependence on the Lord. That's what he's saying. He's saying, God is my God. I depend on him. I am nothing without him. My mantle comes from him. I operate through the Holy Spirit because of him. My wisdom comes from him. Everything I have comes from him. And I will not desert him. I will depend on him. He is my God. The same God. The God of Elijah. He recognizes his dependence. He recognizes his own limitations. And he's saying, I'm nothing without him, but everything comes from him and he will do great and mighty things through me. He will do great and mighty things through you. Just the same. Just the same we have to recognize that we do all things through Christ. We fear him. We allow him to purify our hearts. And his glory shines. In Christ I live and move and have my being. It's all because of him. It's him living through me. It's him living through you. We stay in relationship with Christ. The Holy Spirit is our mantle. The Holy Spirit is our mantle. Then we do things that he did and even greater things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In our weakness, in our weakness, the, pure, the, the strength of God prevails. In our weakness, the strength of God prevails. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. His power will shine through you when you depend on him. And not on your own wiles, and not on what everybody else says, or what everybody else thinks. You know, Oral Roberts said one time, when you have prayed, and when you have gone to God, and when you have heard from God, don't get anybody else's opinion. Seriously. At that point, don't go get anybody else's opinion. Go ahead. Go on with God. There are always going to be people that tell you otherwise. There are always going to be lying lips speaking in your ears. And who are you going to listen to? For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Christ's power rests on me. It works through me. Christ's power through me. Wow. Do you see how much he has for you? That is why, for Christ's sake, 
I delight in weakness, weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong. In other words, when I am depending on my God, I am strong. There is nothing that can stand against me. If he is for me, who can be against me? What's your job? Your job is just to be in him. Not in your own thinking. Not in our own selfishness. Right? It's to be in him and his goals and his plans and his heart and his wishes, his will. Seeing it his way. <coughs> his glory, his power, his anointing, his double portion comes when we heed him, when we fear him. So, Elisha received the double portion that he requested because he was willing to stick to God. He was willing to stick with Elijah. He wasn't going to be moved away, no matter what came. And just for the record, just for the record, Elisha performed, okay, we talk about a double portion. Elisha performed exactly twice as many miracles because of God, through God, as Elijah. Exactly. So God wasn't kidding. <laughs> And Elisha, Elisha got exactly what he asked for. What if he had asked for a quadruple anointing? How big is your vision? <laughs> Did you ever think of that? How big is your vision? Whoa, I think mine needs to get bigger. <laughs> okay, so here's another point I want to make. Each of us, everyone in this room, has been given gifts, giftings to use for the Lord that he needs you to use, that he wants you to use. He has imparted them into you. You are special. You are special. What he wants you to do, no one else could do. If you don't do it, he'll find somebody, but it will not be the same. Because he had designed you very specially. He needs you, every single person. He needs you to walk in that gifting. Okay? There are spiritual gifts. There are a lot of different kinds of gifts. There are spiritual gifts for the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, pastors. And then there are the nine spiritual gifts. We're not going to go into all these. I, I can listen for you. The revelation gifts. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirit. Inspirational gifts, tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy. Power gifts, working of miracles, faith, gifts of healing. But, okay, these are important. These are necessary. It's great to desire these things. But there are natural gifts, natural gifts that he wants you to use. The natural gifts, of course, they flow out of the Spirit, Right? They flow from the spirit realm. Now we can either answer that call or not answer that call. But God is not hiding your gift from you. God doesn't hide it. There's no one who doesn't know their gift. Well, maybe when you're a baby. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? But every natural gift, every natural gift is actually the spirit realm and manifestation. Do you agree with that? 
every natural gift is truly, in other words, a natural gift that God gives us that he wants us to express in this world, it really is a spirit realm manifestation. It comes through the spirit first. And when we are devoted to God, see, we can use that for his glory. We want to use that for his glory. We have a job, we have a responsibility to use it for his glory. Now, we can walk away from that responsibility, but woe to him who does that. So if we truly want the double portion, if we want the abundant rain, we want to embrace what that natural gift is that he has given us. And we use it for him. We develop it for him. We share it because of him. We, it blesses us. It will naturally bless us. It will bring us so much joy and so much satisfaction, so much fulfillment. We will only really truly be happy when we are doing that. And it's really sad when people walk away from that. It's really sad. It brings so much sadness in their lives. And it leaves a big hole. And then they can't bless others. Because, you know, in blessing others, we get so much joy. And it's not all about us. I mean, but it is good to have joy, right? You know, he gives us all good things to enjoy. You know, But if we want to walk in the double portion, if we truly want that mighty, abundant rain, we must recognize and appreciate what he has given us that makes us individual unto him, that makes us special. You're special. And we're only going to feel satisfied when we're walking in in that. Otherwise, we're always going to feel like there's some gap, some dissatisfaction, some sadness in our lives. We must not despise. I know this is, you know, this is like, everyone always tells me I'm way out there too theoretical, so I'm trying to be practical for you today. I'm trying to be really practical. We cannot despise the gifts that he has given us. You can't look around at other people's gifts and say they're better. Okay? Do not despise what God has given you. You walk away from it, you will be sad. Guarantee. That's despising God. That's saying, you didn't really know how you created me, God. You know, it doesn't mean you can't have other hobbies. It doesn't mean you can't have other interests. But he has gifts that he has called you to do. And if you are mad in life, don't get mad at the gift. Get mad at what is keeping you from the gift. So what am I talking about here? Okay, you want me to list some gifts. He might have you a gift of management. He might have you a gift of administration. He might have you a gift in sciences or in math or in law or in teaching. See, they're all gifts. He might have you a gift for mechanical things. He might have you a gift to sell things. He might have a gift for you in finances. He might have a gift for you in the arts, painting, drawing, sculpture, making jewelry. He might have a gift for you in music, whether that's vocal music or instrumental music. He might have a gift for you in worship. And when we walk in these giftings, we cannot help but be filled with joy. 
cannot help but be filled with joy. When we walk away, that's when the issues start. And the longer we walk away, the more hardened our hearts become. He will always redeem it, though. He will always redeem it. It's never too late. But we need to be yielded. We need to be yielded. Our hearts yielded. So, we don't want to seek after other people's gifts or see them as more important. He needs us to play our very specific part. It's a beautiful part. We need to receive it as a beautiful part. It has value, and nobody else can do it the way you would do it. That's a mantle. We want to wear that mantle, the mantle that he has designed for us. We are valuable and needed by him. So, when we walk in that mantle, we flourish. When we walk in that mantle, we will bless most those around us. Right? So, are we willing? Does it take work? Does it take sacrifice? Does it take study? Does it take time? Yes. Yes. But when we choose to develop those unique gifts that God has given each one of us, and we do not despise the gift that he has given us, what do we become at that point? What do we become? You become God's glory carrier. His glory comes to earth. You know, we seek so much after the glory. There's so much about glory to learn. But a believer walking in the special gift that God has given him is a glory carrier. And no one else can fulfill that role. No one else can fulfill the role that he has designed you to fulfill. You carry his glory. That is his glory come to earth. It is his glory come to earth. That's who you are. That is your identity at that point. Does that make sense? Are you getting bored with me today? Okay, good. So, Elisha took the mantle given him. And what did he do with it? Immediately, he put it into practice. Immediately, he used it. He put the cloak on. He walked over to the Jordan. Whap! Hit the Jordan water. Miracle. Hey, guys, hit the Jordan River with your mantle, with the gift that he's given you. Quit running from it. Embrace it. And there are new mantles your whole life. Okay? There's not one thing in my life that I see as wasted. Not one. Not one thing. I've always been an avid studier. People made so much fun of me. I see why God wanted me to study now. I see it. I love to study. You know? Then he made me a journalist. Well, I don't do that anymore, but being a journalist was awesome, and what did it teach me? Communication. It taught me how to communicate in various forms. So then he made me a lawyer. So what did that teach me? Huh, that's probably the least of what I understand, but <laughs> no, I'm teasing. That was a total joke. I just know a lot of you don't like lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> but he made me a lawyer. Oh, I learned how to analyze. I learned logic. I learned rhetoric. I learned all these useless things. No, I'm teasing. 
But it is important to know logic. It is important to be able to connect dots logically for the people out there who want all the intellectual processes and not just the emotional ones. We need both, right? Then after he made me a lawyer, he said, okay, now you're a mom and you got to give all that up. And I'm like, I do not want that mantle. I'm fine being married, but the mom thing and having to leave a job that I really like and that I've studied really hard for and spent a lot of money for really was not on my plate, God. I think you're a little crazy. No, not really, because I would really never say that to God. I maybe didn't understand it or like it. But you see, then when he sent me home to you know, be a mom, he gave me a new mantle. He said, you are raising warriors for Christ. Remember that. From day one, that's what he told me. You are raising warriors for Christ. You are raising warriors for me. Whatever you have to do to do that, do it. Well, that took a lot of study. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of study and a lot of God's grace. No credit taken upon myself. All him, all the time as all of you know who have ever had kids. All him, all the time. And then he called me here. So you see, our mantles can change, but they all have a specific purpose, and we all need to do them with all of our might through Christ. He's never done with you. I can't wait to see what he has next. (laughs) No retiring allowed. So anyway, Elisha picked up the mantle. Immediately he went over. He parted the waters. Now, I, in concluding this whole journey, this is very important, I want you all to understand none of this has been about your works. All of this has been about your relationship with Christ. All of it. All of it has been staying in the presence of Christ. All of it has been seeking his holy presence. All of it has been fearing God. All of it has been circumcising our hearts. All of it has been purifying our hearts and allowing him to do the work. All of it has been about no condemnation in Christ, but allowing him to grow us beautifully. All of it. You couldn't do any of this on your own anyway, so you might as well not get condemned if you goof it up. Because you really can't goof it up. Because if you stay at the foot of the cross, if you stay at the feet of Jesus, if you keep your eyes on his face, the double portion, the Holy Spirit anointing, the great and mighty reign is yours. The end. (laughs) oh thank you lord i don't know what's coming next (laughs) except for today we're gonna do tithes and offerings i'm gonna go to (coughs) hebrews 7 Hebrews 7, verse 1. This Melchizedek, 
was king of Salem. And <coughs> the reason we're reading these scriptures today is, you know, so many people argue that tithing was the Old Testament. Well, it was the Old Testament, but it's also the New. This Melchizedek was king of Salem and priest of God Most High. He met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed him. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. First, his name means king of righteousness. Then also king of Salem means king of peace. Do you know we receive peace? I never, I never noticed this until I read this this week. We receive peace when we tithe. We maybe don't know how that works, but we do. Without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, like the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. Just think how great he was. Even the patriarch Abraham gave him a tenth of the plunder. Now the law requires the descendants of Levi, who became priests, to collect a tenth from the people, that is, their brothers, even though their brothers are descended from Abraham. This man, however, did not trace his descent from Levi, yet he collected a tenth from Abraham. We're Abraham's heirs when we're in faith, right? And blessed him who had the promises. And without doubt, the lesser person is blessed by the greater. In the one case, the tenth is collected by men who died, but in the other case, by him who is declared to be living. One might even say that Levi, who collects the tenth, paid the tenth through Abraham. Because when Melchizedek met Abraham, Levi was still in the body of his ancestors. Tithing is still for today. I'm going to read you one more. Luke 11, 42. Woe to you Pharisees, because you give God a tenth. This is Jesus talking, okay? It's a pretty good authority. Woe to you Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. We do it all. Hallelujah. So let me pray over your tithes and offerings today. I thank you, Lord. For every seed sown into this ministry. And Lord, I thank you that your blessing is poured out upon the people. I thank you that you cause a mighty harvest into their lives for every seed sown. We thank you, Lord, that it's such a small portion, and yet your blessing is so great. And we tithe unto you, we offer unto you cheerfully, with a willing, willing and yielded heart. And we thank you for the blessing. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So while they're... <laughs>